again, I would like to welcome everyone here to Damagiri for the beginning of our second section, second module of our Sacred Mountain study course. Welcoming those here at Damagiri and those who are following this practice with us together from afar. By chance, uh, we seem to be uh, beginning this uh, next section on, uh, on the wisdom teachings of the Buddha. By chance, we're beginning them on an auspicious day. It's the, uh, the full moon is rising. Uh, last night was the actual full moon, but uh, this morning is the, uh, having practiced all night, the various Theravada monasteries around the world officially begin today their intensive practice period for three months. What's called the, their three-month rains retreat. Well, we're not going to be having three months of rains out here. It's a, um, but it, it is a, uh, a time where we can bring forth some resolve uh, remembering our, our confidence in these teachings, re- remembering the insights that we've had, uh, remembering how we value these refuges, and to, to intend to uh, find way to deepen our understanding, our practice, our realization of, uh, of this path. Uh, Today is also an auspicious day that I feel very happy uh, to remember together with you all. It's uh, Mr. Mandela's 90th birthday. And I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't for Mr. Mandela, there would be no Domagiri. Tennyson and I would not be in this country. We wouldn't have the chance to be on this sacred mountain. And uh, certainly this uh, world would not be the way it is today. Certainly not this country. And to, uh, he's a, a great hero of mine, a source of tremendous inspiration. His, uh, which I think fits in very much with the theme of, of, this, of this retreat, because this full moon of July uh, which was last night and still very full tonight, um, commemorates the first discourse of the Buddha, where he revealed to his first disciples the teachings on the Four Noble Truths. The understanding that suffering is not a condition which we are helplessly bound up in, that suffering has causes and that those causes of suffering are unconsciously perpetuated in, in the moment-to-moment karma, the creations that we manifest through greed, hatred, and delusion. And that once we recognize this and let go, let go of those uh, graspings and rejections of the way things are, uh, it just, suffering can dissolve. There is an ending of suffering. 
So this, this Buddhist path culminates in the, in the realization of freedom from suffering. And Mr. Mandela's life was, was also committed, has been committed to uh, recognizing suffering, recognizing injustice, recognizing bondage. And, and uh, one thing that's so inspiring about him is, is how his, his vision expanded to, from himself to... to feeling the suffering of his people and to expand beyond that to actually to have the compassion to realize that the also the oppressors suffer to have a vision of, of wanting all beings to be free to me that's very inspiring and I'm I'm, particular, I'm very inspired by his patience his courage to, to be apparently shut down and locked up for 27 years and not give up, not just collapse. Maybe he went through those states, but to then determine to transform that experience, turning a prison into a university, turning bondage into an opportunity to find spaciousness and freedom of heart. That's... that's I just know his life stories inspired me so much and so many other countless thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who are remembering him and his example. In the, in the Buddhist teaching, the, the, the Buddha said there is no external condition more potent, more influential in, in giving rise to to inspiration, to faith, to wisdom. There's no more important external condition than a truly good friend. Because it's from a, a, true, a, a, a truly good person that we then hear wise things. And that we, because they're human too, we then can recognize our own potential. So this value of, of a good friend, of a good example, of a wholesome being is, is paramount. It's the essence of Sangha, too. And that's, that's one of the refuges that we're calling upon or interested in exploring in this Sacred Mountain Sangha program that we're, we're, we're exploring how can we how can we deepen this sense of being supported and energized and guided by our spiritual friendship, by the recognition that we're not alone, that we're practicing together with like-minded beings, beings who are interested in suffering and the ending of suffering, beings who are interested in understanding how do we trip up, how do we cause harm for ourselves and others, how do we, how do we give rise to well-being. The, the um, Buddha, uh, to, just to start this module with a reading from the Buddha. Um, on this importance of uh, the value of a truly good friend. This is from the Anguttara Nikaya. The 10th chapter, number, number 61. 
This is the Buddha. A beginning point for ignorance, such that one might say, before this, ignorance did not exist. Then ignorance came into play after that. A beginning point cannot be discerned. This has been said, nevertheless. It can be discerned that ignorance comes from this condition. In other words, what does ignorance come from? And I tell you, ignorance does have its food, its nutriment. It is not without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for ignorance? The five hindrances. What is the nutriment for the five hindrances? The three forms of misconduct. That's misconduct of body, speech, and mind. So the three forms of misconduct. What is the nutriment for the three forms of misconduct? It is lack of restraint of the senses. What is the nutriment for lack of restraint of the senses? Lack of mindfulness and alertness. And what is the nutriment or the food for lack of mindfulness and alertness? Unskillful attention or inappropriate attention. And what is the nutriment for inappropriate attention? Lack of faith. What is the nutriment for lack of faith or lack of conviction? Not hearing the true Dhamma. Not hearing the truth. And what is the nutriment for not hearing the true Dhamma? Not associating with people who are truly good. Not associating with people who are truly good gives rise to not hearing the truth. Just as when the gods pour rain in heavy drops and crash thunder on the upper mountains, the water flowing down along the slopes fills the mountain clefts and rifts and gullies. When the mountain clefts and rifts and gullies are full, they fill the little ponds. When the little ponds are full, they fill the big lakes, the little rivers, the big rivers. And when the big rivers are full, they fill the great oceans. And this is how the great ocean is fed. Thus it is filled in the same way when not associating with truly good people is brought to fulfillment, it fulfills the conditions for not hearing the Dhamma, not hearing the truth, which gives rise to lack of faith, and then lack of mindfulness, lack of restraint, giving rise to three forms of misconduct, giving rise to five hindrances. And when the five hindrances are brought to fulfillment, they fulfill the conditions for ignorance. Thus it is that ignorance is fed, and it is brought to fulfillment. Now I tell you, clear knowing and release, freedom, have their nutriment too. They are not without food. What is their nutriment? The seven factors of awakening is the nutriment for freedom. And what is the nutriment for these seven factors? Four foundations of mindfulness. And what is the nutriment for the four foundations of mindfulness? Three forms of right conduct, body, speech, and mind. And what is the nutriment for three forms of right conduct? Restraint of the senses. And what feeds and fulfills restraint of the senses? Mindfulness and alertness. What is the nutriment for mindfulness and alertness? Appropriate and skillful attention. 
And what feeds skillful attention? Faith or conviction. And what is the nutriment for conviction? Hearing the true Dhamma. And what is the nutriment for hearing the true Dhamma? Associating with people who are truly good. Just as when the gods pour rain in heavy drops and crash thunder on the upper mountains, the water flowing down along the slopes fills the mountain clefts and rifts and gullies. The little ponds, the big lakes, the little rivers, the big rivers, and when the big rivers are full, they fill the great ocean. And thus is the great ocean fed. Thus is it filled in the same way when associating with truly good people is brought to fulfillment, it fulfills the conditions for hearing the true Dhamma, the conditions for faith, skillful attention, mindfulness, restraint, three forms of right conduct, foundations of mindfulness, seven factors of awakening, And when these factors of awakening are brought to fulfillment, they fulfill the conditions for clear knowing, freedom and release. Thus is clear knowing and release fed. Thus it is brought to fulfillment. The value of a good friend. The value of a good example the value of a leader who has a sense of compassion, a leader who is willing to forgive, a leader who is willing to admit mistakes, who is humble and is filled with gratitudes, always wanting to honor those who have helped him get there or her get there. There's a story that uh, I'd like to read a very short story from um, about someone named Rory Steen, who was one of Nelson Mandela's protection, in charge of one of his protection teams during his five years as president. This guy named Rory Steen. Steen said his upbringing and his training in the apartheid South African police force had made him suspicious of Mandela and everything he espoused. But there was a moment during the day he was inaugurated as president in 1994 that made him realize how genuine Mr. Mandela was. After the inauguration ceremony in Pretoria, the new president traveled to Johannesburg on the same day to the Ellis Park Stadium to lend his support to the South African football team who was playing Zambia. He was running late and had to return to Pretoria quickly, but without saying anything to the protection team, mystifying them, he got out of the official car and walked across to an old police colonel standing there. The colonel's eyes were getting bigger and bigger, said Stain as the president walked towards him. He put out his hand and said, Colonel, I just want to tell you that today you have become our police. The ANC won the election and I became president. I want you to know that there is no more us and you, and you are our police. 
The old guy started crying, says Steen. Tears ran down his lined face and dropped on to the polished parquet floor. The Buddha taught that never is hatred overcome by hatred, but only through, through loving kindness. And to, to have a, a, a leader that just can manifest that with, with a smile, with warmth, is, is, certainly has uh, touched my heart. So I thought we would uh, begin our, this, uh, with new energy, this, this next section on wisdom, on freedom of our retreat by remembering the Buddha's first sermon, by remembering the value of good friends, good examples, and by remembering with gratitude our good fortune to have uh, a president in this country, Nelson Mandela, to have his life to inspire us. So I'd like to read a little bit from his autobiography. The policy of apartheid created a deep and lasting wound in my country and my people. All of us will spend many years, if not generations, recovering from that profound hurt. But the decades of oppression and brutality had another unintended effect. And that was that it produced the Oliver Tambos, the Walter Sisulus, the Chief Latulis, the Yusuf Dadus, the Bram Fishers, the Robert Sobukwes of our time, men of such extraordinary courage, wisdom, and generosity that their like may never be known again. Perhaps it requires such depths of oppression to create such heights of character. My country is rich in the minerals and gems that lie beneath its soil. But I have always known that its greatest wealth is its people, finer and truer than the purest diamonds. It is from these comrades in the struggle that I learned the meaning of courage. Time and again, I have seen men and women risk and give their lives for an idea. I have seen men stand up to attacks and torture without breaking, showing a strength and resilience that defies the imagination. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. I felt fear myself more times than I can remember, but... I hid it behind a mask of boldness. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. I never lost hope that this great transformation would occur. Not only because of the great heroes I've already cited, but because of the courage of the ordinary men and women of my country. I always knew that deep down in every human heart there was mercy and generosity. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Even in the grimmest times in prison when my comrades and I were pushed to our limits, I would see a glimmer of humanity in one of the guards, perhaps just for a second, but it was enough to reassure me and keep me going. Man's goodness is a flame that can be hidden 
but never extinguished. I was not born with a hunger to be free. I was born free, free in every way that I could know, free to run in the fields near my mother's hut, free to swim in the clear stream that ran through my village, free to roast mealies under the stars and ride the broad backs of slow-moving bulls. As long as I obeyed my father and abided by the customs of my tribe, I was not troubled by the laws of man or God. It was only when I began to learn that my boyhood freedom was an illusion, when I discovered as a young man that my freedom had already been taken from me, that I began to hunger for it. At first, as a student, I wanted freedom only for myself, the transitory freedom of being able to stay out at night, read what I pleased, and go where I chose. Later, as a young man in Johannesburg, I yearned for the basic and honorable freedoms of achieving my potential, earning my keep, marrying and having a family, the freedom not to be obstructed in a lawful life. But then I slowly saw that not only was I not free, but my brothers and sisters were not free. I saw that it was not just my freedom that was curtailed, but the freedom of everyone who looked like I did. That is when I joined the ANC, the African National Congress, and that is when the hunger for my own freedom became the hunger for the freedom of my people. It was this desire for the freedom of my people to live their lives with dignity and self-respect that animated my life, that transformed a frightened young man into a bold one, that drove a law-abiding attorney to become a criminal, that turned a family-loving husband into a man without a home, that forced a life-loving man to live like a monk. I'm no more virtuous or self-sacrificing than the next man, but I found that I could not even enjoy the poor and limited freedom I was allowed when I knew my people were not free. Freedom is indivisible. The chains on any one of my people were the chains on all of them. The chains on all of my people were the chains on me. It was during those long and lonely years that my hunger for the freedom of my own people became a hunger for the freedom of all people, white and black. I knew as well as I knew anything that the oppressor must be liberated just as surely as the oppressed. A man who takes away another man's freedom is a prisoner of hatred. He is locked behind the bars of prejudice and narrow-mindedness I am not truly free if I am taking away someone else's freedom, just as surely as I am not free when my freedom is taken from me. The oppressed and the oppressor alike are robbed of their humanity. When I walked out of prison, that was my mission, to liberate the oppressed and the oppressor both. Some say that has now been achieved, but I know that is not the case. The truth is that we are not yet free. We have merely achieved the freedom to be free, the right not to be oppressed. We have not taken the final step of our journey, but the first step on a longer and even more difficult road. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. 
the true test of our devotion to freedom is just beginning. I have walked that long road to freedom. I have tried not to falter. I have made missteps along the way. But I have discovered the secret that after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are many more hills to climb. I have taken a moment here to rest, to steal a view of the glorious vista that surrounds me, to look back on the distance I have come, but I can rest only for a moment, for with freedom comes responsibilities, and I dare not linger, for my long walk is not yet ended.